Hey, USA Volleyball fans. This is Steven Munson, co-host of the USA Volleyball Show. Here's an excerpt from Christian Hartford's NTDP Academy course. Hey everyone, my name's Christian Hartford. On this course, we're gonna talk about how to maximize performance while on the road. Me personally, and I tell all of my athletes this, it is perfectly okay to be that weird looking person stretching by the bathrooms on an airplane. You should definitely be doing that, right? As athletes, especially volleyball players, we usually have some long limbed athletes. And so sitting on airplane seats gets pretty tight. Therefore, we usually tell them to get up every hour or two, depending on the sleeping, obviously. But if you're awake, get up every hour or two and stretch out, just lengthen out. Whenever you're sitting in a seat, either on an airplane or in a car for so long, your hip flexors are gonna tighten up. Usually our posture is affected because the seat pushes our shoulders forward. So whenever you stand and you're walking around, try to stretch things like your quads, your hip flexors, okay, stretch out your pecs, maybe you know, put your arm up on the wall and kind of just get, get a good chest stretch, open those shoulders up, right? But the most important general theme here is to keep moving. If you wanna learn more from me on how to maximize your game, Subscribe to the NTDP Academy at usavolleyball.org. City, Colorado Springs, Colorado. This is the USA Volleyball Show. And here are your hosts, Clarence Hughes and Steven Munson. Hello and welcome to the USA Volleyball Show, the official podcast of USA Volleyball. I'm Steven Munson and of course, as always, joined by Clarence Hughes. We might be a few states apart sometimes, but we're always together. How are you just doing? Just a few. Doing good. <laughs> you know, just kind of rolling into the next episode of this doubleheader. Um, again, an exciting <clears throat> an exciting two-part series. I don't know what's in my throat, but it won't leave. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just doing a lot of talking today. That's why. <laughs> I don't know what it is. No, it's talking, stuttering, stumbling over words, all that good <laughs> stuff, too. But we're still doing good. We're doing good, and we're about to be uh, – we're – we're in Colorado together, about to be in Indianapolis together for GJ and C. You know, right. like I said, like like Stephen just said, we're only a few states apart at a time, but most of the time we're doing this thing. That's right. Yeah. Clarence, I forgot to to mention this in our last episode, in episode Uh-oh. 37, but congratulations uh, on the avalanche uh, advancing to the same. <laughs> for listeners so who don't know, uh, Clarence is part of the ice crew with the Colorado avalanche. So. <laughs> Uh, he's I'm, I'm sure you're just so excited uh, and hopefully you can get in to work a match here soon. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, technically, this is the release day, uh, June 15th, which is also the first day of the Stanley Cup final. And I should be working that game. I'll be working this and the match on Saturday and then I'll be leading for GJNC on sunday so these would be my two games that i get to experience skating on stanley cup ice nice. uh we can play off with the colorado avalanche and i'm just so excited man i it's a dream come true like I, that's I, wow yeah that's so cool i know how much uh that job means to you and just working in hockey means to you so yeah just wanted to recognize that here and, and congratulate you super excited for you thank you thank you let's talk about uh you, you mentioned this is the two-part series for uh, we're talking a lot about college recruiting. So if you haven't listened to it, episode 37, we talked with Sue Weber, 
uh, next college student athlete or NCSA, uh, as it's well known uh, by. Uh, she's the event partnership director and former collegiate athlete and coach. Um, we talked to her, had a great conversation with Sue, such an awesome individual. Um, but she talks about you know, when an athlete should start the recruiting process, how to approach the intro letter to coaches, whether that's, you know, a physical letter or email, um, sending in video, all that. And, you know, how NCSA can help in the recruiting process as well. Much, much more in that episode. She gives great advice and information and tips. She's been uh, a college coach, so she's received a lot of those intro letters and talked to a lot of college recruits. So she's seen it from all different sides. Um, so she's definitely a great resource for you. And NCSA is also a great resource for you as well. A lot of um, great webinars that they host. Um, a lot of great resource articles and information on their website. So check that out uh, at, at uh, ncsa.org. Uh, but if you haven't listened to that, you can listen to that right now uh, on all podcast services. We also <clears throat> already went over the news in episode 37, which is a little bit of incentive for you guys to go over at news with 37. I was gonna say you have a pop quiz. Uh, listen to that and see the new <laughs> see the new uh, news tagline we came up with. <laughs> Stephen already gave that away. But so if you're looking for that, you'll have to go back and listen to it in episode number 37. Um, as of today's exciting episode, um, like we mentioned at the top of this episode, this is a two part series uh, talking about. Rec- recruiting college recruiting at all divisions all levels and then playing division three specifically in this episode for part two we talk with kim donaldson a former division three multi-sport athlete which includes volleyball uh, about her college recruiting path how she played in college without any club experience picking up her school life after college and so many more incredible accomplishments you guys do not want to miss this stay tuned because that's enough from us let's go right into our interview with kim donaldson All right, Kim, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us. I'm really excited. It's been a few years since since I've seen you and we've gotten to hung, hang out. Um, really quick story before I let Clarence kick things <coughs> off. Um, I, I, a week before what was then called the High Performance Championships, I broke my ankle <laughs> playing in a volleyball tournament. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Kim knows where this is going. Uh, and so I, I still had to go on the trip and I had a knee scooter on in Tulsa. It was in Tulsa. Tulsa's not the greatest spot for, for, uh, being on a knee scooter, a lot of hills <laughs> and, <laughs> and stairs too. And so Kim, the real MVP <laughs> was my buddy all weekend long and, uh, carried my scooter up all the oh. stairs. <laughs> as so I nice. up. <laughs> So that's like one of my favorite memories of Kim and, and it's just uh, a great time to uh, to to really get to know you and work with you. And that was just so much fun. We really you're had a good time. Kim, you're so nice. I would have been laughing at you, Stephen. Uh, but that's just me. I'm just kidding. I I'm not that. I stole the scooter a couple of times. So I guess that was the payback. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. You had some fun on it. You, you flew down some hills, if I remember right. <laughs> Indeed. Before they had uh, line bikes and scooters, we had Steven's <laughs> scooter to get around town. But um, that's hilarious. And funny that we're going back to Tulsa for All-Star Championship this year, too. So oh, Sags, nice. you won't be there, Stephen, with your 
which is mm-hmm. good. But yep, full circle. And Kim, right Kim was at you, and for the listeners, Kim was uh, working at USA Volleyball as an in, as an intern. Is that right? Uh, in the high performance department. I was um, a two time intern. Two time intern. <laughs> two time. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, you were there, and then you you left for a little bit, and then you came back. Is that right? Yeah, indeed. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just wanted to let the listeners know before uh, before we get going here, uh, Clarence, yeah. I'll you kick things off here. Before I kick things off, I, you know, I think that's a pretty good you know topic to start off. Um, you know, you were around in that uh, high performance era of USA Volleyball. You want to talk about your experience with your you know being a two time intern there and what it was like? Yeah, I absolutely loved my time at USA Volleyball. I think for me, I've always had an attachment to. Um, the Olympic sports, but especially volleyball. It was also the sport I was playing in college at that time. And I remember seeing an opening and thinking, okay, this might be for me. Um, and I was so overjoyed when I got the position because I know tons of people applied for it. Uh, and like my time there taught me a lot. Like I had a couple of managers who I'm still in contact with now and my colleagues, some of whom I just saw when I was in Colorado where I was like the youngest person there. So they taught me a lot, took me under their wing. I got familiar with the warehouse and distribution, but also Mm -hmm. could help to manage some of these really big programs that we put on. So it's funny because it was all about volleyball, but I learned so many other skills too, um, which I use today. So it's a great organization to be a part of. We even had pool parties. (laughs) What? I missed out on those, man. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) All right. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah. All right. I, you know, thank you for that. And, you know, just to kind of see the growth from high performance into what is now the NTDP, the National Team Development Program, uh, you know, just really, I bet it's really reassuring to see, you know, you were really part of that core development and, you know, just kind of, kind of seeing what it is into now. So really cool experience. Thank you for sharing that. But yeah, let's jump into, you know, our first question. Uh, we love to ask this question to all of our guests because the answers are just so sporadic and across the board. But how were you introduced to the game of volleyball? Um, yeah, well, I was introduced to volleyball definitely in elementary school because we had to try all these different sports in gym. But I definitely picked it up in middle school officially. Um My introduction is often associated with my height to most sports, right? So I'm like around six feet tall and the game of volleyball was brought up to my attention so many times, um, which brought me to, you know, be interested in it. And that's kind of how I got involved is like, yeah, you would be well suited to the game. So I figured, okay, let's find out. Um, So in sixth grade, uh, that's primarily when I joined a team. With my friends, of course, who also played <laughs> volleyball. So, yeah. So my introduction to the sport came really early, though, in elementary school already. I love that. We we hear that a lot. It's um, people are introduced to volleyball through friends, uh, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of a social thing. You want to just be able to hang out with your friends after school and on the weekends, uh, and then volleyball. Playing volleyball is just a plus uh, to all that, uh, which I think is so cool. I know you played basketball as well, uh, played basketball and volleyball. And then in (laughs) high school, um, you, you also played basketball and volleyball, both sports. What was your strongest sport? What were you stronger in? Um, that's so difficult actually, because I play middle in volleyball. So to be a strong middle is also not always to have the most like 
points per se or something. Whereas in basketball, I was a post and I also was on the boards, double doubles on a regular basis. But in volleyball, I was very strong and like a leading scorer. So I would say they were both really my strong suits. Um, but I had a serious appreciation for volleyball and at times the lack of contact, which allowed oh, yeah. me to stay a bit healthier, <laughs> I think, on a regular basis. Um, and I also just, I really appreciated the the sport and killing balls and blocking balls. That's just different than basketball. So I grabbed a lot of, yeah, a lot of contact being a post player too in basketball. You're absolutely you're banging oh around God. in the paint a lot and getting those Please. rebounds. Yeah, you just, you just called yourself a walking double double. So that's amazing. There you I go. Love- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a lot. Yeah. In any case, it's true. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I, I definitely I'm stronger in volleyball and I also had more accolades in it as well. Mm-hmm. Did you play any other sports in uh, high school? I think largest uh, sport dropped you and said you also played a little bit of lacrosse. Yeah, I was on the varsity lacrosse team for three out of my four years. The fourth year I was my first year and I did uh, Western horseback riding. Whoa. <laughs> a really intense sport. You would be surprised by the muscles that you need for this. You have to talk um, us through that. Yeah, I think it. A lot of the control for a horse comes with your inner uh, thigh muscles and there's a lot of like squeezing you don't realize and that actually signals something to the horses. So I felt like I couldn't walk for a solid week, um, <laughs> but it was amazing. It's not lacrosse, but it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you get introduced to that? What made you want to try that? Yeah, I think um, my I actually, to be honest, I wasn't sure that it was something for me, but my dad was really adamant that I should try every sport. He's like a soccer player at trade, but he really encouraged me to go down every path, especially at a high school that offered so many different options. So I was a bit reluctant. And then in the end, I it's one of my fondest memories um, that I did that and was part of that. And the same with lacrosse. How did, how did playing all those sports and competing in all those different sports translate over to volleyball for you? Um, did it help your skills out, uh, mobility, uh, anything like that? Yeah, I definitely think but because I was a defensive player in lacrosse and I was also in basketball a post, so you can be on either end. But you're, in terms of mobility and your agile abilities, I really learned how to cut, how to like position myself in a good spot to be at the best position to receive the ball. Um, I also learned to think strategically. And I think that in volleyball, it's really interesting because you're only on one side of the court or yeah, of the court of the net. And you really have to think ahead of the game. Whereas in basketball and lacrosse, you're sort of like in the mix and you're amongst all of these other players. But I think that actually gave me the ability to see uh, better in volleyball because nobody was in my space, like breathing down my neck under the basket. Um, I don't know how horseback riding translated to volleyball. <laughs> Taught me how to be calm. <laughs> I don't know. So you there point you out go. muscle groups you need that you didn't even know you needed. That probably translated to just jumping and explosiveness and yeah. so on and so on. But yeah, it seems like you really have a wide variety of just sports that you, you know, really just tried and, you know, made the best out of, which is amazing. Um, <clears throat> through all this, did you ever get the chance um, to play any uh, play or participate in participate in any local clubs here in Colorado in terms of volleyball? 
So I was always familiar with the clubs, um, whether it be in high school or, or in middle school. And my high school coach, Jen Joseph, is very close with USAV as well. And she had chill at the time. So I was actually really aware of many clubs, but I myself was not able to join a club. Like I found them relatively expensive at the time for my family, but that didn't mean that I wasn't practicing. Like I, I knew some of my teammates were on club teams and I thought, oh, that's great. I'm really happy for them. I'll ask them how it is. But in my like summers, I spent so much of my time individually playing at the high school. Um, I like set up nets and took down nets by myself um, on a regular basis. Weekly, I would serve like hundreds of balls and just practice, you know, shadow skills at the net and stuff. It was when I look back on it, I wonder who thought I was crazy (laughs) because I straight up was doing this and it it was just what I thought, you know, just playing on the side of the house with my Mm. own uh, volleyball and working on passing, which is as a middle, often not something people think we can do well. No, middles can't pass. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So I think for me, I never played club and I actually don't even look at that and think, oh, sad, you never got to join this team. I actually think, well, I learned how to be self-sufficient and sort of play on my own. I think that's a like really the, good point. Yeah. Like a lot of people, you know, have this vision of, you know, I have to play club volleyball to make it to the next level. I have to go through a club process to be looked at at the colleges and so on and so on. And the fact that you are a walking fact that you do not have to go the club route if you are dedicated, if you put the time in on and off the court like any other athlete, too. And I just think that's just an amazing thing to acknowledge. So definitely big kudos to you. and Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's an awesome story. Uh you know, you hear a lot of stories, you know, about, you know, Kobe Bryant being in the gym alone, um, shooting, shooting baskets in the dark, you know, mm-hmm. um, so that's just and and volleyball club volleyball. It it's it's a well-known fact that it's it is expensive um, and it's hard to 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 compete in club volleyball, you know, financially. And then, you know, you have to make the teams as well um, through, through tryouts and stuff. But like Clarence said, just really cool that you had, had a drive to be better at volleyball and, and keep playing. And you had, you know, just the interest in wanting to play volleyball that you found a way to do it. And I think that's awesome. And kind of goes into our next question here. Um, I'm interested to hear what you, what, how this happened for you, but the recruiting process, for playing volleyball in, in college, how did that go? And I know you played basketball as well, mm-hmm. um, recruited to play basketball as well, but yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the recruiting process, uh, for you specifically? Yeah, for sure. Um, so my high school is one that's really geared toward, uh, college applications, but also getting in and making sure that you go to a really challenging place that, um, gets you pretty far in life. So I felt like, I was prepared to apply to a lot of colleges, but when it came to athletics, it was interesting because I always had like this battle. I never was in my mind. I was never the athlete per se. I was always the academic and then the athlete. And that's also what our school did for us. But I realized when I was applying to colleges that it was possible to be both um, also at the college level. So I think relatively 
late in my application process to colleges did I realize, oh, wait, you could also look for schools where you can play the sports that you want to do. And also in a non-club sense, like I had just come off like of a state nomination for volleyball. I played in those games for Colorado. And from there, I started looking more closely at some of the schools I was applying to, like where I went. Colby had a Division three program. I was also looking at Colgate. Um, I was not really interested in playing at a big university. I think, again, when that academic versus athletic or athlete comes to mind, that to me struck me as, OK, you might be deemed here just an athlete. Um, and I know it's possible to be both, but I really wanted to keep that identity for myself. So I looked at smaller colleges um, and I contacted a couple of the volleyball coaches and some of them also just contacted me, which I think is always, you know, you feel, yeah, like they really want you to play there or just the fact that they're interest, interested in you means that you've done something right. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what happened, especially with Colby. Um, they, I think they met me at the college fair. And I remember that the woman there was like, okay, you seem like an athlete. And I'm almost certain she went back and was like, have you met this girl? <laughs> um, so, yeah. It, it, it was definitely a nice experience. They flew me out as well um, to Colby uh, to visit. And that that I got to be, visit with teammates, future teammates um, from both teams, from the volleyball and basketball programs. That's really cool. Um, you talk about, you know, you wanted to be, you know, recognized as more than just an athlete. And, you know, that, that played a very heavy role in, you know, your decision and, you know, in what school you, you ended up choosing at Kobe. But um, can you talk about your academics, you know, what you major in and what that experience was like? Yeah, of course. Um, at Kobe, I ended up majoring in biology and I did uh, anthropology as a minor, which I later did in my master's. Um, I started off college at like 17. I was rather young. I wasn't even an adult yet. But uh, the summer before starting, I actually did biochemistry research at Colby, uh, which was a nice way to be on the campus, um, already start, you know, with my academics, but then also be there and hit the gym a little bit and get a head start on my program. Um, so I... I was really tied to my academic path. I explored a lot there the same way I did with sports. Um, and I feel like those two things went hand in hand. I felt like I was a better student because I was an athlete and I felt like I was a better athlete because I was a student. Sleep matters for both. <laughs> so, yeah. Speaking of sleep, uh, I, I mean, with that schedule, I don't know how you did it. Uh, how did you balance your schoolwork your social life, your sports, and, and then, like you said, also get some sleep in, in the in, in between all that. <laughs> yeah, um, I took advantage of, yeah, bus rides when you were traveling to games. I think that's the time that's underrated. People think it's a time to be on Instagram. I think Instagram was around then. Um, and also, you know, sleeping and stuff on the bus, that's fine. But I also found it really convenient to like, keep my man, my mind, you know, going, do some work. Also, you had like a lot of tutors around, right? Because so you have upperclassmen, especially if you're a first year on that bus. So I was always getting help on my chemistry homework from the valedictorian of Coley at that time, who was a teammate. So that kind of helped me just sort of being smart about the sections of time I had and then what I did with them. It doesn't mean that I didn't have fun and all I did was plan my life away, but I was just cognizant that, 
I was only good at sports and in class if I was awake. So I think I just tried to be smart in that way. Did you play uh, both sports all the way through college? Um, no, I actually, I did volleyball and basketball in my first year of college. And then I stopped with basketball in my second year. Unfortunately, like three weeks before the season started, oh. <laughs> I was so unsure what I wanted to do. I got a concussion in basketball the year in my first year. And um, some people know I also had a concussion or two from basketball in uh, high school. And that's partially probably why I find the contact aspect a bit intense. Um, but I had to sort of make the choice for myself. And I, I, I felt that the transition out of volleyball to basketball for the positions that I played was not what I needed. And it, it didn't set me up well um, for the next sport. But also, I wasn't really willing to risk any more potential brain injuries. So, yeah, I quit basketball, but I was still friends with all of those girls my whole college career. Um, but I, I felt happy with just choosing volleyball. And also that gave me time to do more volunteering and to pick up some jobs because uh, I needed to work during my college experience. So I wasn't terribly sad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in were, the end. were there any other additional uh, contributing factors that kind of, you know, swayed your decision to just strictly stick with volleyball? I know you touched base on a lot, but, you know, are there any other you know factors that you maybe didn't bring up? Yeah, I mean, well, I just I. In all honesty, I also like the sport a lot more. I don't know if that's a good factor or not, but I think it's a, it's a good fact for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that for me, that's where I saw myself the most. Um, I was more aligned with my teammates there. I really appreciated the skills that I was developing in volleyball. And I also saw myself not per se having a future. Like I didn't even think at college, I was thinking, oh, I want to go play on a math, like in my master's or on a professional team. But I also just thought the longevity of my athletic self is better if I continue in volleyball. Um, but no shade. Basketball is great too. You mentioned uh, just having a little bit extra time to do some volunteer work um, when you were just focusing on volleyball and your schoolwork. Was there uh did you get involved in any like clubs around campus or, you know, I, I know study abroad is a big um, thing that, that a lot of students do in college. Anything like that? Yeah. So laundry list of things. I <laughs> as like a residential assistant in the dorms or like an RA, yep. which you definitely can do if you play multiple sports, but it sort of gave me more time to also focus on the students in my dorm who were underclassmen and really get them acquainted to Colby. Um, I also worked in the admissions office. I started volunteering for this thing called Colby Cares About Kids, where I got a mentee who I visited every week. Um, and she was a little athlete as well. Now she's like graduating from college soon, but that was really, that for me was really important to make sure I had the time to visit with her and see her weekly. Um, and then yeah, study abroad. I cannot explain to you <laughs> how important that was to me. That was going to be my first sort of like international experience and not to say I couldn't go if I played basketball, but I might not have been able to go if I played basketball. So I was really pleased um, that I had the opportunity to, you know, tread that path. And here I am now living abroad for almost four years. So I think that was, yeah, crucial to my life. Where did you go for your study abroad program? 
Yeah. So for my study abroad, I went to Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, I did take Chinese in college, like Mandarin, but I somehow did not gravitate toward traveling to China, which is a shame now when I think about it, because I probably could have mastered my language skills. But I wanted to go to Edinburgh for their science program. And I was a biology student. So it did, you know, Darwin and so on (laughs) make sense to go there. Um, But I had a phenomenal time. I got recruited to play on the University of Edinburgh's volleyball team. And I probably should have, but I was a little bit scared that if I got injured playing (laughs) volleyball at this university, then couldn't play my own season where I was recruited to play, I'd be in trouble. So I just got really strong in the weight room instead. (laughs) This is incredible to to hear your story. Uh, Going back to when you said you didn't play club volleyball and you went through the recruiting process still and had coaches contacting you to come play volleyball for them. And then you get recruited to Edinburgh. <laughs> That's incredible. That's, That's awesome. Mm-hmm. What an experience. Uh, and like you said, now you're, you're living overseas, which I, uh, we will get to, uh, here, uh, shortly, but, um, uh, I believe, uh, Laura said you also play, you also competed in track and field. Is that right? Yeah. In college. I did. Yeah, but it was like, I wish it was longer. I okay. really do. But it was only for one semester when I was a senior. So my fourth year, um, I could not handle the idea that I would be like retired or, you know, from college athletics. It was always my world. And I remember just looking down at the track one day in winter thinking, okay, I can't live like this anymore. Like I need to do a sport. And then I just went downstairs. (laughs) Like I talked to two of my friends who were on the track team. They're like distance runners. So clearly not the people I needed to be talking to, but ones who could get me an in. And I just walked downstairs and I looked at the coach and I was like, yeah, can I join your team? Like, can I do have like walk-ons or something? Um, and he said, yeah. <laughs> so I basically, I was like, I don't know, sprinting I could do. I'm relatively fast, but these are all people on the team who have done that in high school and you've essentially recruited them, but I'm more than happy to do throws, um, or try for jumps. Like, I just want to see what I can do. I'm just trying to have fun. And then we went with throwing. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, it seems like you did a lot because did you or did you not make it to the NCAA championship for yeah. shot put? So that's a pretty I big did. deal. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I started out an indoor season, which is a good time to learn and a good, it's like way warmer and stuff inside. So that's good. I feel like I could get the technique down. Like I tried every single throw as well, like discus, um, like all of them. Uh, but yeah, shot put was, I think for me, the most easy to get a grip on. I think your body control, you can, you have a couple of different ways that you can, um, throw the shot, but I think it really worked well for me. And, um, yeah, in winter season, I was fine. And then an outdoor, I really, uh, I managed, I went on the team trip to San Diego and I didn't think I would be allowed. And then I won that meet. That's actually what got me into, um, NCAAs. Do you find it, I don't want to say like weird, but unorthodox that you were just able to find this quick success uh in track and field after just you know hey coach i just want to you know walk on and see what i can do and you know few you know a few months later you're you know competing at a championship level that's amazing like how, how does that make you feel 
Yeah. I, when I reflect on it now, it does. Yeah. To any person, it's like wild. And it may, like, I was really proud of everything I did, but I think it was just internally, I just had a commitment to myself to be involved doing something and preferably at a high level, um, if it's possible. So yeah, I think I was just adamant and I like learning and I like getting, I don't like being bad at sports. <laughs> and I think that helped me a lot. And then on top of that, I knew that I had a compressed amount of time, but I wasn't going into the sport thinking I'm going to NCAAs. I was going to the sport thinking, yeah, maybe I make it on the podium like once or twice, but at least I'm doing something. So I think I maybe found such success because I wasn't actually looking for this crazy success, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like, you know, in volleyball, you want to win a championship. And I feel like there's a lot of stress that might come along with that. And then you maybe don't win. And then the people who are just out there having a good time sometimes become the underdog and they completely <laughs> take over and win. So I feel like maybe I was just the underdog and just continued to try. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I, I can't speak to it, but I, I feel like being a post player in basketball in a middle and volleyball, you, you've got to have great footwork in those positions. And, you know, shot put, I think has a lot of footwork involved as well. Um, and then the arm strength from volleyball too. So I feel like those probably translated uh, a little bit for you. Did, did you feel the same way? Yeah, definitely. There were crossover aspects for sure. I think just that quickness, um, the release of the shot was really good, especially tied in with volleyball in some ways. Um, having a strong core <laughs> in any sport definitely, is good. But across those three was also really important, just body control. The footwork, you might be surprised, footwork sometimes felt a bit more like dance than it did. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, because you do quite some like fluid movements, which you do in also other sports. But sometimes I thought, okay, I'm doing this like twirl and that's a little out of my range, but I managed. Um, but I do think it, all of my sports that I competed in helped me, undoubtedly. It always amazes yeah. me when I watch shot put, just the the amount of control the athletes have spinning around like that and, you know, and ending on one foot. Uh, I just, it's yeah. just incredible. It's incredible to think, watch. Well, I worked for the U S Olympic committee, like after I graduated Colby and I lived at the training center in San Diego. So I was in the presence of people like Joe Kovacs and Ryan Krauser who are like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Our Olympians. Like I shook these guys' hands and I swear my hand was just fully. <laughs> <laughs> a shot put hand is something else. Yep. Um, but they are like, they stand there and they completely own a room without trying. Nicest guys ever, most like soft spoken, gentle individuals, but they step in the room and they own it. And then they glide across, you know, the circle like, they're just playing. It's amazing. With grace, with grace. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So I don't, I feel like we've hit every sport or we should have hit every sport, but I, I think there's one more, at least one more uh, that we can talk about. You, you made a run with the U S bobsled team. Uh, can you yes. talk a little bit about that experience? How did you like get into that, uh, get interested in that? How did that happen? Yeah. So, um, the bobsled idea was sort of planted in my brain when I was 16 or 17 while at uh, Fountain Valley from a teacher um, or an employee named Brenna Payne. She's actually previous loser for the U.S. Um, and 
she said to me, yeah, you really have the build to do one of the winter sports and you should really look into bobsled. And I thought, yo, she's crazy. Like, I really didn't <laughs> think she was serious. Like, Laura will know this. I really thought she was joking. And I think I really was dismissed, not in a negative way, but I kind of just let that, yeah, go right over me. Like, okay, great. Brenna thinks I should be the next Jamaican bobsled team. And then I graduated college, still training in my own time, worked back at Colby after the U.S. Olympic Committee. And Brenna was like, Kim, you know, they're recruiting, right? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Brenna, I know. And then next thing you know, my email, I'm showing up like I'm being recruited for the U.S. bobsled team. So wow. I'm convinced she maybe helped to do that. But in any case, they didn't just choose anyone. So you had to, they, you know, if you wanted to try out, you had to really like show that you were capable of even competing. Um, I got a coach at that time who willingly trained me for free. Shocking. I think it was a test for him as well to make sure that, you know, this was the type of athlete he could procure. Mm. But uh, I was so grateful. I've never, I, I started training like four, five months in advance of the tryout. <laughs> so like, I remember thinking I could only squat like, yeah, you'll be shocked to hear this. Like, 80 kilograms or something for her three. And then the end at the tryout of bobsled, I was squatting like 125 for three. Oh my three. gosh. I, wow. My body was completely changed in a very like, for me, amazing way. Um, yeah. But that was a sport that I just thought I might as well go for it. Like who, who gets the chance to do that in their lifetime? And I'm sitting here with a background on athletics. It's a sport that actually interested me and it just meant that I could continue to not be retired for longer. <laughs> so yeah, I went for it. I'm just and, sitting here just in awe, just like how, how you were, were able to just like translate all your like experience over so many different sports uh, is incredible. What were the like early struggles uh, with bobsled for you uh, kind of learning um, that sport? Well, <clears throat> most bobsledders are crossover athletes in one way or another. Mm. Um, from my understanding and from my friends who are on this team, the majority of are also uh, track and field athletes, which makes a lot of sense, right? Because there's a lot of power and speed and yeah. strength involved in that sport, but then also in bobsled. So that translation can be a bit easier. Um, there are some who are volleyball crossovers as well. Uh, but the hardest part for me was actually the sprinting um, because I had not worked on sprint mechanics in a long time. <laughs> and I think that's actually a key component of the sport of bobsled is how fast can you be at the start to get yourself in the sled and down at a good time. So that was what I found most difficult as well as just the determination to keep going because I was working a full-time job and I would have to train sometimes two a days with lifting at like 5.30, 5.45, and then after work, going back. My skin has never been so dry. I took so many showers. Um, <laughs> and also the main heat, uh, I lived in Maine, was just so much. But I think it was just the mental aspect and also thinking, am I in over my head? Like, yeah, what a joke. <laughs> I'm trying out for an Olympic team. Nobody is doing Well, people are doing that, but most are not me they're like they've committed their whole life to that so yeah i would say the mental struggle was potentially the hardest next to sprint mechanics yeah self-doubt so you 
you brought up, you know, just you've always had success trying sports in the short term and, you know, just amazing dedication to, you know, just really develop your craft and all of those. And, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, you know, you said you were trying to, you know, avoid retirement and, you know, stay involved in everything, uh, you know, as long as possible, you know, what is it like being at that point to where, you know, you do have to go through that athlete retirement and how have you been dealing with that? And, you know, how, how hard or, or how easy has that been for you? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if I, I'm never going to like properly retire. I think the only retirement that I'll be glad to receive will be like pension. And I'm waiting for that, but I don't think for sports, I think I've retired from some of the yeah collegiate sports and going for perhaps an Olympic team, but I'm still continuing to try new sports. Like I did boxing for a good part of last year, which is pretty cool, especially if you're stressed with work. I would highly recommend boxing. Um, I think that me dealing with retirement is not retiring. <laughs> and that's that's how all of my friends are as well, you know, who are on who have competed for any of the US teams or have been part of these pipelines. I think it's just ingrained in you that you still stay fit or that you still try to, you know, keep your stamina up and hang with the young kids. So I think that's kind of what I'm gonna end up doing. Like I did have a knee surgery, what put me a little bit behind, but I've come back out, out of that with, uh, I'm pretty, I'm still okay. So I don't know what will make me fully retire. I think if I have like a horrible, horrible injury, which like knock on wood, cause I would prefer not to. Um, I think that's the only thing that will put me in retirement or like if I just decide, okay, I'm not going to join any teams and I'm only going to coach something, then that will feel a bit more retired. Are you still involved in volleyball at all? So um, here in Amsterdam, there are quite some teams around, uh, but COVID kind of put us in a weird place. So I came off of my knee surgery like when I got here and I was doing rehab. So I wasn't really around volleyball because it made me sad that I couldn't play. And then we went into a pandemic, essentially. So my goal is to actually coach um, one of the younger teams in Amsterdam or join coaching efforts there. If not, I might look for basketball if I can't get into volleyball, but my preference would be volleyball. And there are also some leagues for adults. Um, so sorry to my orthopedic surgeon, but <laughs> I might see like what I can do on that league. I don't want to hurt myself, but I do want to just be around the sport again. It really, it really helped my mental health, I think. And just being in that environment and a change of scenery is so good. So I plan to coach maybe even starting this summer, if not during the coming school year, and then just see what I can do for myself. Speaking of uh, school year and, you know, your time over at Fountain Valley School, um, how does it feel to be uh, inducted into your high school's uh, Hall of Fame? I cried. <laughs> I did. I remember like the alumni director there called me and I thought, oh, wow, I have to prepare something else for a speech I need to give. But yeah, that's when she told me I was inducted. And I think, yeah, it just made me so honored to be, you know, inducted. But also I felt like oh, I've worked for something. I don't know. I was really excited to be. There are a lot of men on the wall at our high school. But it also really made me so happy to be one of the females on that wall, because I think 
you know, I have younger sisters and I work a lot in like female sports and it just made me feel like I'm finally an example. Like I'll be getting dusty on that wall, but there will be somebody looking at that wall later thinking, wow, I would love to be able to do that. So yeah, it made me just feel so honored and also just really appreciative that there are so many coaches that also contributed to that. And then it gives you a bit of reassurance that you did actually work really hard. Um, and again, it's just Fountain Valley's Hall of Fame. Nobody knows what that is except for Fountain Valley people, but it means something to me. So yeah, really thankful. I know, uh, one of our show producers here, Laura Fawcett, she, she knows what that hall of fame is, uh, yeah. very familiar with that and familiar with you and your success and your experience, uh, at Fountain Valley. Um, she mentioned in your induction speech that you talked about the importance of sports for young girls. Um, mm -hmm. and I know you said you wanted to get involved in coaching as well. Um, can you just talk a, a little bit about, you know, what, what that, meant to you, what sports meant to you growing up, um, and kind of how you'd like to, to see that carry forward. Yeah, of course. I think, well, not to reiterate my whole speech, but, um, I just remember at a young age, my dad <laughs> kind of made this joke. He was like, you're an athlete. I need to see your muscles, you know, like where are your muscles at? And that's the last thing you would expect most people to be saying to their daughters, especially like, I mean, this was already like over 10 years ago. Um, and I totally took that in and I was like, yes, this is something I can get behind. And because it's coming from my own father and he's encouraging me to like go out of the box, you could say, and really embrace my body and the strength that it has. I feel like that really channeled a lot of my energy as a woman in sports. Um, I, I really support that young girls and females really take time to figure out who they are in a sport, but also how that can translate into them feeling powerful in other ways. And it's not just like strength in a, in volleyball or basketball can definitely translate to strength and self-confidence and, um, body image and, um, yeah, mental health, resilience, so many aspects of life that you learn across, like, through sports or other ways, I think it's really key. So I found myself to have a lot of stability and I think we all go through ups and downs as well um, in our confidence. But I, like I said, I've never been more confident than when I was lifting like 135, 130 K uh, <laughs> like for three. And that makes me so proud. That makes me feel like I've accomplished something. And it's not that every woman or girl needs to do that same amount of weight, but they need to be reminded that they're capable and that they're their own person and can be in a team and support others to do the same thing. Um, so that yeah, makes me happy. I really just love being a woman in sports. And if I can have, well, if I have a son, great. But if I have a daughter, I will be so pleased. Even if she doesn't like sports, we'll see. <laughs> but um, I'm really excited to just encourage all the time and coach and just watch people embrace themselves and their abilities. Steven, I think you're oh, muted. Steven, you're, Can't hear but you. you're not muted. But Oops. You are. Oh, <laughs> you're back. back. <laughs> I have a separate mute button on my, on my <laughs> Oh, nice. There, so I get confused a little time, uh, sometimes. All right. Uh, Kim. Wow. 
incredible conversation. Thank you so much for sitting down and taking the time to join with us. Uh, I know you just got back to Amsterdam, so really appreciate it. Uh, and yeah, we're deaf. I feel like we just scratched the surface and we can, I know. We can talk, forever, talk, about this talk stuff. forever about anything we've talked about today. I, I, it's just an awesome conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. I really appreciate that you took the time. And I just, I, yeah, my small note would be that I just hope that more um, athletes take any route that they choose, but a division three route is a route and it's one that can get you a lot of places. And I think that's probably kind of just like what I showed today, um, that it's really important that you just choose it <laughs> for yourself. I love that. Any, um, any, any place that the listeners can follow you or, uh, maybe message you to ask questions, uh, if they need any advice or, you know, want to talk a little bit more about D3 with you. Yeah. I think most people share Instagrams these days <laughs> as a way of contacting. Um, yeah, my Instagram is Kim Don K I M D O N and you can find me there or, on like LinkedIn, but I think this crowd might not really be in LinkedIn uh, or just ask Laura. I don't know, <laughs> but I think Instagram is a good start. Um, and I'm very happy to chat with anyone um, about D3 or anything I've talked about today. And at the very least, if you love traveling or, you know, just enjoy travel pictures, Kim is a good follow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sure to post more often <laughs> now <laughs> so I don't look boring and dusty. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you Thanks. so much again. And uh, good luck with uh, getting into coaching as well. Um, and yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll be able to get to talk to you soon uh, again later down the road. Yes. Thank you. Sure. Thanks, guys. Did it we tell you guys that was an amazing interview like wow like not only is she a great athlete who seems like she can literally pick up any sport yeah in the world <laughs> uh western horseback riding out of nowhere that was like one of my favorite comments bobsledding like, any, like <laughs> right it doesn't matter <laughs> but yeah not only seems like she can pick up any sport um and have success but you know the fact that she labeled or not labeled or touched on the fact that you know she wanted to be recognized that she's more than just an athlete, you know, yeah. applying her mindset and just finding that major in college that, you know, elevated her, you know, just overall intelligence in the in the world. And it just all clicked in every aspect of life. And it's not an easy thing to to do. Like, you know, she speaks about it all so casually, but that is a lot of commitment. That is hard work to adjust sport to sport, to stay involved um, scholastically and, you know, in, in, in classes and also just have a social life and also, you know, get your eight hours of sleep because sleep is important. All, yeah, and all, all the volunteer work she did too. And, you know, working on campus, like just incredible. And yeah, like you said, she just talks about it so casually. Um, but that's just, you know, the type of person she is. She's got a great worth ethic and she's just driven and, and wants to, you know, better herself and succeed. And, um, that goes, you know, on the court, but also off the court as well. Um, 100%. I think, you know, she's, it was so good to talk to her and, and, 
you know, I haven't talked to her in a couple of years now, but when she was an intern at USA volleyball, you know, she talking to her and working with her on the ground, you could definitely see that, you know, she, she put her best work and her effort into everything she did. So, um, what a, you know, great conversation, like you said with Kim. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Kim, she's definitely a, a truly amazing inspiration to young girls everywhere. You know, I really hope if you're listening to this and you have a young daughter or a younger sister or uh, sister or <laughs> sister, excuse me, share this episode with them, share Kim's story with them. Uh, you know, Kim says that she hopes a young girl will see her picture on her high school hall of fame, which is also amazing. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and feel like they can do whatever they aspire to do. I mean, at the end of the day, we want everyone to have that mentality, whether you're a young woman or, you know, a, a young male up and coming in, you know, not so great circumstances. But, you know, I have no doubt that will happen for for you and for them, because, again, just wow, like just amazing. Wow. I mean, it's it's all. <laughs> Pretty much all you can say, like so speechless with this conversation. Yeah. That we've had with her. She's just so incredible. But on that same note that you're just talking about that. Yeah. uh, I really liked hearing her talk about wanting to get into coaching as well. You know, she's not done with sports, you know, still, still plays and leagues around town and stuff like that. But she, she wants to stay involved and looking for more ways to stay involved. So she wants to get into coaching, whether that's volleyball or basketball and, and just, you know, to continue to be a role model for young girls. I think that's so important um, that she wants to to do that and be involved in her community. Um, Cause uh, going back to when she was talking about her childhood too, how much sports meant to her. And she, you know, she found a way to continue to improve in sports, but, you know, whether that was going to a gym by herself and setting up a net, I think, you know, those stories know. are just so cool to hear her talk about that. Like definitely put in the work and it definitely worked out for the better in all aspects of it. And, you know, just like we mentioned in episode 37 and, you know, she touches on it by walking the walk. You want to be labeled as not just an athlete. You know, I have so much more to bring to the table. Well, she has so much more to bring to the table than just her athleticism, than just a sport she's committing to. And she definitely does that. I mean, you can see she was looking for a good biology program and that's what led her to to Colby College. And then the opportunity to continue playing basketball and volleyball at the Division Three came after she found that academic fit um, with with the program and school she was looking into. And that's what a lot of people, again, fail to really recognize is like, they're like, I want the D1 offer. I want this. I don't care where I go. And then you get there and you're not and you're not happy. You don't have those outlets to really to really apply or, you know, start that foundation for your professional career. And that's something that's greatly overlooked. And again, Kim does a really good job of just touching base on that. So, I mean, if you take anything away from our conversation with Kim, just remember that hard work (laughs) pays off and work hard and those doors will open for you for sure. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. That was, that was awesome. And we'll definitely have to have Kim on uh, again later down the road to just continue this conversation. Cause I feel like we could have gone a bunch of different ways talking about her background and, you know, her career in sports and uh, just even life after college, we hardly even talked about, you know, her living overseas too. Um, So definitely have to get her back on to talk more about that. But thank you again, Kim, for taking the time to sit down and work with us, working with the, the uh the time difference too there in amsterdam um really appreciate it if you have any questions for kim you can reach out to her on instagram 
at underscore Kim underscore Don underscore. Remember, if you haven't checked out episode 37, part one of this two-part series talking about college recruiting with NCSA's Sue Weber, definitely go check that out. It's available now on all podcast services. We won't go through our full list of events here um, since we talked about those in episode 37. So if you want to hear about that, you can go over there and listen to those. But we will mention that the 2022 USA Volleyball Girls and Boys Junior National Championships are almost here. Uh, just about a week away here, Clarence. Uh, and I'm so excited to, That's, to I'm travel terrified. to <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's going to be – we have a lot of teams. I think we, we, we're up in – range for this year it's a lot so i'm just so excited yeah um girls goes uh june 23rd through july 4th and boys goes june 30th through july 7th good luck to everyone competing in those events stay tuned to usavolleyball.org and usa volleyball social media for updates and content Mm -hmm. once again a huge shout out to all the regions um, within usa volleyball uh, working hard every single day to put on events uh, on the beach side on the indoor side and everything in between uh, for memberships across the country it's a lot of work and we get it done every single event season <clears throat> another reminder you guys can listeners you guys can listeners <laughs> another <laughs> reminder you guys can uh, listen to it's been a long day review share with your friends, family, teammates. It really helps this podcast grow and reach new listeners. As Steven said in a previous episode, we are over 20,000 downloads, which is Let's go. Thank we you were, so much. We were so hyped when we hit 500 and when we, when we first <laughs> launched the podcast. Now look at us uh, just reaching over 20,000 people, you know, giving these a mainly, a ma a mainly. I can't talk today. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Telling you, it's been a long day. We've been recording so much too, so. True. Yeah, we're just giving these amazing athletes and personnel, yep. you know, just a platform for them to be themselves. And it's really seemed like it's paying off and really glad we get a chance to, you know, host it and be a part of this for sure. But yeah, just big thank you to all you guys. Yeah. Want to chat with us or, or maybe, you know, of a club that should be featured. Drop us a line. Let us know. You can email us at the USAB at the USAB at USAB.org. That's a tough email. We should, maybe we should look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Leave us feedback. Let us know how we're doing and what future topics you want to hear about. You know, if you we're always looking for more content, more ideas for this podcast, uh, your, your feedback definitely helps us grow. And, and we definitely uh, love uh, receiving that feedback. Uh, reminder, episodes drop every other week. Until next time, thank you for listening to the USA Volleyball Show, the official podcast of USA Volleyball. This has been the USA Volleyball Show with Clarence Hughes and Stephen Munson. Produced by Curtis Ward. Our content producers are Kyle Scholzen and Lara Fawcett. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate and review. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the USA Volleyball Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 